Hi everyone, welcome back to Farron and Film. Today we are bringing you our part two of our top ten critical darlings, the films that everyone loves and you just don't understand why. Um, Ollie's going to kick us off with his number five. A reminder as well from last week, I am now, last week was all about films where I can accept that they are good, just don't do it for me. We're now firmly into films that, no, if you like oh, these, no. I judge you. Oh, no. Number five, you'll be pleased to know is uh, not a bomb. So it is one that has been talked about already. I'm loving the crossover with this. I feel vindicated in some of my opinions. I just feel I obviously feel a bit stronger about these films than you guys do. Um, and it is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Just absolute, like, I love Tarantino films. I think he does really well with, like, I, I do love his more silly films, Kill Bill's a lot of fun, Death Proof. Is a little bit too silly, but I appreciate he's just like paying, he's just doing his love letter to like dumb B movies from the past and stuff like that. So I absolutely get that. Um, but to avoid a bit of repetition on this, um, so my mate who will try and kill Gemma Hale if he ever hears her opinions on Lord of the Rings. Um, have you seen Once Upon a Time? I'm reading from uh, from our text. Have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I've nearly finished the book, effing unreal film, and I just went didn't rate. And he's shocked by this. Why? I was like Tarantino plot. Tarantino plots are usually so interesting, so intricate. The way he brings characters together, the situations that they find themselves in, the way that the plots intertwine and stuff like that. It's usually so interesting. The acting in this film is really good. It looks very pretty. That is it. Holly mentioned it before. We're making a movie about the magic of making movies. Get in the bin. Firmly. I don't care about the magic of making movies. It's boring. Like, I don't need, like, the spiel. The closest I've got to enjoying it is the holiday. And it's because it doesn't linger on it. Just Arthur, he's a screwly do. He was a bit about the magic of making movies, but he was relating it to, like, an actual love story that was going on at the time. You know, Ban Banshees of Insurance, that's how you do a metaphor, by the way. <laughs> and just, like, I feel like... I get you. I feel like the film isn't about the plot, though. It's highlighting a style and represents a culture. And, like... I, just, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like Tarantino films have managed to do that and grip me and have a narrative in the past. Like, he's done a love letter in Death Race to B-movies. He's done a love letter in Kill Bill to, like, Bruce Lee movies and kind of Kung Fu movies. That's about representing a style and a culture. And still, you know, I love, I genuinely love... Um, the weird West, the Western that they're shooting in there, where it's Timothy Oliphant versus... Leonardo DiCaprio, and then the little girl turns to him. He's like, "That's the best acting I've ever seen." And Leo like cries but holds himself. So that I love. But I found myself thinking, I'd rather just watch that western that they've mm. got going on there. That seems way more engaging than whatever is going on here. Um, but yeah, he just he really doesn't on like he absolutely yeah he's saying you what have you watched it? It's like yeah, it just it bored me. And he said, oh, you've got zero appreciation for cinema. And I just said, <laughs> f all happens separate separate uh, text for every word. 
not that kind of movie, son. Then it's boring. If nothing happens in there, then it's boring. Like, he's, again, Reservoir Dogs has got a really compelling story. And the fact that most of it takes place in a single warehouse, that's cinema. That's incredible. Pulp Fiction, all of these different narratives kind of blended together seamlessly. All of the characters individually are really interesting. All of the threads are really interesting in there. And it's just, like, this doesn't have it. Like, Margot Robbie got massive praise for this. I love Margot Robbie. I just had her down in, like, the honourable mentions for my favourite actors. But her entire job in this is just to wander around and smile at everything. And get a feeling. Because... Like, because we want to pay homage to Sharon Tate. I don't care. Like, and what what is this? Like, I get that he's done like weird takes on history in the past. I love that in Inglorious, he has Hitler being assassinated in a stupendously gratuitous way, where quote unquote the bear Jew, um, like played by Eli Roth, literally unloads an entire assault rifle's worth of bullets into his very, very dead corpse, and then a bunch of dynamite goes off whilst the cinema's already on fire. That's hilarious. But this didn't feel like the kind of thing that you can kind of fan service history about. It came across as a little disrespectful. Of, and then Brad Pitt's character was there, and he kung fu kicked the Manson family, and one of them got set on fire by like, a real flamethrower. It's just why, like I, because I thought the direction that we're going to go in is that it was going to kind of do a bit more with the Manson family, and we're going to get Tarantino's kind of take on that. And you just didn't get that. And that would have been a bit more interesting. And like even to the point where the guy that they hired to play Charles Manson, he played him in Mindhunter. It was exactly the same guy. And he was brilliant in that. And he was like, yeah, you're a really good Charles Manson. I hope that's not your entire career. But it's just, you've already used the key, key phrase. It's one of the most self-indulgent films I've ever seen. It pats itself on the back. Is oh, the golden days of cinema, wasn't it great? Like Bruce Lee getting beat up by anybody remotely near his size is laughable. Just no. <laughs> Just no. Awful film. Awful. Okay. Um, my number five, ladies and gentlemen. Everything is not awesome. The Lego oh, movie. I forgot you this. Oh, yeah. I really didn't like the Lego movie. I really oh, don't like the Lego movie. For all the Lego that is currently in my house, all the stuff behind me, the stuff downstairs on display, my Home Alone house, my Stranger Things upside down set, everything, I just really didn't like it. I just, I don't like or get that Lego style of animation. In the, the legitimately the only Lego movie that I like is the Lego Batman movie, but that's probably because of all the sort of groundwork it does into fan service and all the stuff about Batman and all that kind of stuff. I could I can never get on board with the Lego games. There's just something about it that just turns me off. Oh my god! Whoa. Um, and I remember taking my brother, who was I want to say around about eight at the time, to go and watch this. He enjoyed it, but I just thought, what am I watching? Like, they're just throwing characters in every now and again. It doesn't really make sense. I don't really care, you know. And then this whole bit at the end where Will Ferrell turns up and it's supposed to be like, oh, but it's just a dad playing Lego with his son. And I thought, well, I'm not bothered. Just no, no, I thought it was rubbish. That was nasty. 
I love the Lego movie so it's much. And I so thought the animation God. was stunning. Yeah. Sorry, you don't like this animation, but you do like the animation in like Into the Spider-Verse, Mitchells versus the Machines, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Because this animation basically walked so that that stuff could run. Great. I'm glad they're running. Just no. wow. No. Like for it for it to be a film that is so obviously a cynical product placement, it because it is yeah. like you can't get yeah. your head around. Yeah. But yeah. for the story to still be as imaginative and heartfelt as it was, and I I can I will say I did not see that twist coming, and I thought like it's one of them. It's an obvious twist, but then you're there and you're like, oh, that's where they're going with this. This is clever. I love it, and just. All the all the voice acting's great. The way they incorporate the idea, like I love, because there are people who play with Lego and like it needs to be the set that it's in, and there's people who just want to build stuff for the sake of, just ah, oh, I do. I'll enjoy it when my Lego Disney camera turns up over the weekend because that gets released tomorrow. No, I'll you're, build that you're before we start work. From any Lego, because no, no, Let's also let's all let's also not you know just you know pass over the fact you said you don't get the Lego games. What is wrong with you? I really don't. The frustrating what me. is wrong with you. The Lego games are so good. No, cannot be bothered. There yes. was some there was a moment in the cinema when I was watching the Lego movie where um Morgan Freeman's character dies and then he comes back with the little ghost insert over the top. I lost it. Because I had those ghost inserts because they were Happy Meal things. There was like a Halloween line of Lego that was in Happy Meals and there was a ghost and there was like a little coffin with a Dracula in it and stuff. And I had all those just like randomly with my other Lego. And we'd have like games where the Lego character died and then put the little ghost insert over the top. I I was creased. It was it was my childhood, and then uh, Charlie Day's character's That's helmet has got a With little break in it. With the break, that one because they all did because they were really badly made. It was and it was since the film Adam that was tried to like blood. emotionally blackmail me in the past with, oh, but this film it helped Ruby get better. Fine, this was this was my first date movie with Georgia. We decided okay. we were going to be a couple, and as part of our first date, we went to go and see Lego Movie, and it blew our minds. We loved it. Okay. So there's your emotional blackmail right back at you. Right in my heart. Um, Gemma, number five. Uh, the Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Is that yeah. disagreeing, or is no, it like, I like... can't believe you say it? My story of buying the striped pajamas. So this was when I was working as a TA at Collective. So what I did is I I did the term as a teacher, and then you know I left because I had foresight and eyes, um, and then I went and did supply. But then I really needed a job, so I ended up going back as a TA. Um, and my mate Sarah was teaching an English class, and I was in her English class, and we were reading the book. Now, advice to any trainee teachers out there, especially trainee English teachers, Holly. I hope you can agree with this. Maybe read the full book before you teach the book. Or maybe <laughs> if you're going to show the kids the film on the last day of the Easter half term, maybe watch the film before you decide ah. to do that. Mm. So we literally ended the day with death. Yeah. Pretty abject, horrific, shocking like, death. Never seen in such a quiet class <laughs> stand behind the church at the end of the day. And I <laughs> went, happy Easter, kids. That's 
So you what, I remember, because uh, I've not seen the film, but I've read the book, um, because, will she kill me if I share this? Oh, screw it. Um, Georgia likes it when I read something to her while she's trying to get to sleep. Okay. And one of the first books I did that with was Boy in the Striped Pajamas. I'd never even read it. I, never, I didn't know anything about it. I just knew that picture of Asa Butterfield sat on the opposite side of the fence. And I forget what it was about from that. Um, I didn't quite know that he was like the son of a commandant. That's, you know, fun to it. But um, I remember getting to that point at the end of the book and just being like, uh, excuse me? What? <laughs> what is it you don't like? Is it the film or is it the narrative? No, it's um, it's the film, yeah. So the the book I'm not particularly bothered about, um, but it's the film. I think the acting in the film is shockingly hammy, like really, really, really hammy, mm. really bad. Um, but also, um, you know what it is towards the end of it. But obviously, this is part of the story in the book as well. Is how everybody speaks of the tragedy that the little boy, Asa Butterfield's character. Uh, Bruno, that he ends up getting killed accidentally. And I kind of sit there and go... That happened to a lot more people. There was like six million others, you know. And they were like, it was just so sad that he just didn't know and he just like ended up getting killed. It was like, it was also really sad that all of the other ones just got killed because of who they are. Not because it was an accident, but because somebody systematically planned their death. That was pretty sad too. Georgia's um, message, Jem. Uh Great effing point, to be fair. Never thought about that. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that was the first thing I thought at the end of it, where everyone was like, oh my God, it's so tragic. He got killed by accident. I was like, yeah. Yeah, that, that was tragedy. the tragedy in this film. Just trained him. <laughs> in pushing past those people who were already in the... Yeah, to death, and then they're like, oh, we don't need you anymore. Yeah. No, that, that's, yeah, of course, that, that bit's not tragic, but the one that shouldn't have to die, that did die, <laughs> um, you know, that, that way... The one that fun. shouldn't have died, yeah. The rest yeah. of it was fine. <laughs> yeah, they could just go. Um, oh. So, yeah, I really hate that part of it, but I just hate how absolutely hammy it is. But also, I feel like, you know, people sort of um, give weight to the film because of the subject matter. So the subject matter is obviously intensely harrowing. It's a Holocaust film or it's a film, um, you know, with Holocaust as a theme. So obviously everybody automatically pays it attention. But when you actually look at it, was it a good film? No. The acting was terrible. The plot was terrible. The dialogue was terrible. But it's almost like when those things where you can't say it's a terrible film because look what it's about. But, yeah. you know, it, it was. It was just, I, I thought the acting, not even, I mean, Asa Burfield is obviously a kid in it, but I can't remember who plays the mum, but I think she is just absolutely wooden in it. Um, Vera Farmiga, she's better in other stuff. She's yeah. really good in yeah. stuff, yeah. yeah. Wooden, absolutely wooden, really hammy. Isn't it David like, Fewless is the dad as well? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. like, the cast is good. It should Yeah, it's work. a great cast. And somebody else who plays a guy called uh, Pavel in it, who's, like, a Jewish doctor in it. I can't remember his name, but he's a he's a big name as well. Lots of big names in it with, um, I think, that were attracted by, uh, you know, to, to the film by the fact that, oh, look what it's about. That's really heavy. That's really intense. But it's no Schindler's List. It's not, uh, mm. you know, it, it's not got that kind of... Yeah, it's a child's book, of course. But I just, yeah, it's that last bit of it where I'm just like, also, oh, everybody's really sad about the the other kid dying, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the just, but, and, and the acting in it. I think it's just a really terrible film that everybody raves about. 
yeah, you bring up Schindler's List as well, and I think um, your boy Denzel brings a really good point as to why um, Schindler's List was as good as it was. Because um, I think he's being asked the question, I think it was a predominantly like a, a film about black people and their lives that he was in. Um, and he was, the, the question was basically put to him, it's like the importance of having a black director in there to direct that story. And he gives a really good example of, um, so uh, Steven Spielberg obviously directed Schindler's List. Martin Scorsese directed uh, Goodfellas. Now, Steven Spielberg probably could have done a good job directing Goodfellas. And likewise, Martin Scorsese could have done a good job doing Schindler's List. But the cultural knowledge that you have with you and the significance that that has to you, that story has to you because of your culture, that's what elevates it. So that, because looking at it, I think it's a, it was a British directed film, Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Like Schindler's List is a very pertinent story to Steven Spielberg because of the fact that he is Jewish and he, you know, he will have, he will, I imagine he will have some people who were killed in, um, some family who were killed in the Holocaust and maybe some who survived. But that will be a very pertinent story to him. It might not just hold the same. I don't know if Mark Herman is Jewish himself, but that could be. Yeah. Why? Like, yeah, I don't <laughs> I think you, sh you should have a horse in the race if you're making a film about such a harrowing subject matter. Uh, Holly, you've got time, you're number five. Um, the Imitation Game. I wrote notes, and my note for this is blah, blah, worthy English drama, blah. <laughs> <laughs> and I stand by it. <laughs> um, this might be a hot take, but I don't think Benedict Cumberbatch is all that. Um, I He's a perfectly fine actor, but I don't think he's an amazing actor. And, you know, I... I like, uh, this is really boring sentence, I like Alan Turing. Um, I admire Alan Turing mm. as a, a historical figure for a number of reasons. And I think this film did him dirty. Like, this, this film kind of makes it seem like he, were, he was uh, very socially awkward. He wasn't. He was very gregarious. He was very outgoing. He was very friendly um, and a confident person. But it feels like they they kind of smell awards and it like in Tropic Thunder where they make a joke um of using the R word which I won't repeat obviously mm. um but using uh learning difficulties or um neurodivergence as a way to show how good of an actor you are well that's not actually how this historic figure mm. is known to have acted and moved around the world so portraying him in that way it feels disrespectful um and then i just thought it, it was a real paint by numbers british war drama like throw kira knightley in as well bim bish bash bosh it like, like charles dance's character has done really dirty as well because he was like one of the biggest proponents of um of Alan Turing he like he had to fight you know in the film he's seen as the big bad military we're wasting money on you <laughs> he had to fight for him a lot and in the end I think Churchill came in and it would have been a really good scene to do this I don't know why they didn't Churchill literally went to Bletchley Park 
because a lot of people in cabinet were like, why are we pumping so much money into this? It's, you know, it's a waste. We could be, you know, we could be making munitions. We could be making, sending cross food rations. Churchill went to Bletchley Park. He spoke to everyone. He had a look at what they were doing and he came back and he went, give them everything they're asking for. Everything they are asking for because it's that important. And like you were saying there, like, oh, let's, because um, they were definitely going for autism. Let's, let's not beat around the bush. They were going for autism. He is... He is ASC. That's how we're doing. And like, how much more tragic would it have been if he was this like lively, vivacious guy, you know, as he actually was? And then you see him in that scene after he's had to undergo the chemical castration treatments, and that's when you see that marked change in his personality because you would like that's what's done it, and it really highlights how horrific it is that we had to wait until Gordon Brown was prime minister for him to have an apology and for him to be pardoned of his crimes. Like that would have really hit home hard at that point. But yeah, I, I, I remember not loving imitation game, but I remember being like, yeah, I wish they'd done a bit more with the dilemma of, because they have that one scene where it's like, Oh, if we war, if we warn this ship, the Nazis will know we've broken their code. So, and one of the code breakers' brother's best friend is on the ship. Oh no! Yeah, that oh, wasn't that no. wasn't the thing. If a lot more of the film, a bit, I get that the drama of the film has got to be cracking the code, but yeah, like you said, they did do Alan a little bit dirty. <laughs> uh, okay, number four is um, another bomb. Um, uh, my number four is Return of the Jedi. Yeah, no, I get that. Uh, it's rubbish. It's rubbish. Like, there's nothing about it that I like. And nothing, nothing. It's dull. It's boring. It's plodding. They talk too much. Nothing really happens. They introduce Ewoks. Who gives a shit? Like, let's just move on. In doing the Emperor really dirty there, Adam. It's rubbish. It's rubbish. No, it's not. The Emperor is not. The worst I, I, in the series. You. I hate the Ewoks. The worst. I, I hate the Ewoks. A lot of the dialogue in this is a bit, you know, days of our lives. Um, but the stuff between Luke, Vader, and the Emperor genuinely is some of the best I've seen in Star Wars. And Hale doesn't probably, care. This probably means that at some point this week, and I say this week as in not right now, as in when this podcast goes out, that some kid is going to come up to me and go, oh, you said the S word on your podcast. Um, but, but yeah, there you go. Yeah, Return of the Jedi. What a lot of rubbish. Gemma, what's your number four? Oh my God. Number four, Manchester by the Sea. So crap that they just called it they, they named it after the film it was in because nothing else happened. Nothing <laughs> happened in that film. That what could we possibly name this film? Because nothing happens. They won't just name it after the hill, uh, the hill, uh, the, uh, the, the town. So, like a story of my life, it's just going to be called Staley Bridge. That's yeah. it. Just sum it up. <laughs> the story of your life is going to be Staley Vegas. Let's get it right. Um, Casey Affleck. I mean, I'm not an Affleck fan. I'm not an Affleck fan at all. I don't like Ben Affleck. So when you throw Casey Affleck in there, just being moody, and uh, it, there's just this whole thing. All right, I get that it was a pretty big thing that happened to him, but there's a part of it you just think, just, just get, just get over yourself. You don't need to be rude to everybody. All right, just don't, don't be so rude. Right? Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, 
honestly, I did make it to the end of that film, but I just looked at it and went, that was absolutely terrible. You could have told that story in about three seconds and it would have been as interesting. It really stretched out. Uh, just a really moody, brooding film that I just felt really, really, really bored me. Um, you know, people absolutely raved about it. People, I was reading about it last night, people said it was the one of the best films of 2016 when Finding Dory was out in that year. So that doesn't make any sense, does it? Because Finding Dory is epic. Um, Manchester by Sea, absolutely terrible. Come on, lean away, lean away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, give it its due, I will say I probably would rather watch Finding Dory than Manchester by the Sea. So, so that is my exact point that There's I keep nice saying on these podcasts. There's a nice little double bell for you. Manchester <laughs> by the Sea, Finding Dory's in there. <laughs> yeah, it's going to cheer you up. Given the two DVDs in front of you right now, and you want to be entertained, do you want to watch Casey Affleck, Casey Affleck being moody and deciding he doesn't want to look after his nephew, right? Or do you want to watch Finding Dory? I want to watch Finding Dory, and that was in the same year, so therefore that should have got all of the Oscars. I just thought that Manchester by the Sea was something that everybody raved about before they even saw it. Oh, it's just going to be this, it's just going to be that. It's just so powerful and dramatic. And it was just this boring, broody, moody guy that doesn't want to look after his nephew after his uh, his brother had died. Uh, end of conversation. It was crap. Yep, fine. Nah. Uh, Holly, number four. Uh, Gosford Park from 2001. Um, uh, it was, it's the marketing more than anything for this. It was pre-Downton Abbey because... Julian Fellows then kind of made Downton Abbey based on the the you know blueprint of Gosford Park really. Um, so it was marketed as a murder mystery, and I am a massive Agatha Christie fan. My <laughs> mum is a gigantic Agatha Christie fan. Ha- owns every single one. Has read every single one. So we were going to the cinema together with my grandma as well to go see what we thought was going to be a murder mystery film. Haven't had one of those for ages. Oh, my God. We were so excited. And that is not what it is. That is not what it is at all. It's just a very, very, very talky, very, very, very worthy, very, very slow, like dissection of upstairs downstairs politics in a turn of the century house and a murder happens but no one cares <laughs> and then you find out who did it and you still don't care i was so disappointed i've rarely been that disappointed going to the cinema but again that was it was marketed as one thing and it was not that thing if I watched it today with kind of the Downton Abbey idea of I didn't really like Downton Abbey but that idea that it's just with actually talking about class politics of the upstairs downstairs thing maybe I would feel differently about it but I'll refer you back to blah blah with the English drama blah how grateful oh, were you then for the warm embrace of Ryan Johnson in, yeah. <laughs> in the mid-2010s? It's like, so, okay, so we've got nights out. So happy. <laughs> um, Ollie, your number four. Uh, another mentioned one. I'm feeling really vindicated here. La La Land. 
La La Land's a tricky one because there is an awful lot about La La Land I actually do like. Um, I love uh, Ryan Gosling in it, as you kind of hinted at before, and I love Emma Stone in it. I think Emma Stone acts really, really well in it. I love their argument in, like, the third act, which leads to, like, is kind of the beginning of the end for them. And I know it's a bit of a tired metaphor. You've got the kettle boiling in the background as the tension rises. Oh, <laughs> clever. But, like... They they act it so well. They act it so believably, um, and you get where both of them are coming from. But it is it's again that isn't Hollywood just magical? Like I remember being surprised when like people just start getting out of their cars on the highway and like kind of half-heartedly dancing over their cars and doing that kind of and then we turn away and you know that kind of mumbled awful Billie Eilish singing that has infected everyone's brains recently no one is singing like they actually want to do it and you've got a white man trying to tell a black man how to do jazz in Ryan Gosling talking to John Legend you know actual qualified very good musician John Ledger. Like, I just love as well, Start a Fire. This is my main thing with this film. Start a Fire is billed as this devil song that we should hate. And, you know, it's awful. And it's the antithesis of what we should be striving towards with music. It's the only song in the whole film I actually think is an absolute bop. Unequivocally, it's a great song. It's so good. And it's because they've got an actual singer singing it. Like... I really like um, Emma Stone's audition song. I don't think she's got the best singing voice, but just the power and the raw emotion behind it, fine. But yeah, it's the way everyone went on about this. It's like, oh, it's a throwback to those old musicals. No, in those old musicals, they could actually dance. They could actually sing. And in the nicest way, and I think Polly would be sad about this and fine, but there is a reason that that style of film just died a death. Because it was all about, isn't Hollywood magic? Oh, we're put, like, I'm currently, the show I'm currently doing in my uh, drama group is Funny Girl. You know, let's do a show about how shows are made and show business. It's just, it's, it's boring. It's really dull. Like, musicals these days have evolved to, there is a plot. And, the, and the, when, you, when you can't get your feelings across with words, you sing it. If that's still not enough, you then dance. Whereas... This was just like, oh, I'm going to sing because it's time to sing. And it's only going to be Ryan Gosling. Like, it's not a thing that everyone... Like, they have one chorus number at the beginning, and then that's it. Then you've got three characters singing ever again. Sometimes it's in the context of they're performing music. Sometimes it's just they're having a little sing to themselves. Okay. It just, yeah. it really... I, I think it just, it really thought it was doing something really clever and really special. And yeah. Yeah, it's like, very all look at me. Yeah, 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 and like like Gemma's talked about a couple of those. Like you've talked about one with like Banshees of Insurance. I can't remember which one Gemma's was, but it was very. Oh, ask me what it means. Oh, ask me what it means. Metaphor. Oh, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I'll get to it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, well, Gemma, you're next, so I don't know if it's your number three, but. Oh. No, it's not my number three. Uh, number three is Great Gatsby. Now, considering I'm a uh, yes. uh, Leo fan, massive Leo fan, just came up in my top actors. Uh, Great Gatsby, hated it. Just, yeah. I mean, 
oh, just it was. I just turned it off in the end. It got it got past the fifteen minute rule, um, but I it just oh, it just didn't it just didn't touch anything. It didn't make me feel anything. I didn't enjoy it. People went mad for it, didn't they? They went absolutely mm-hmm. mental for it. There was there's always that image that you see with Leo with the champagne glass. Everyone started doing twenties fashion in their houses yeah. uh, and all that lot. It just it you know it brought out this whole new wave of um different color schemes and with the gold the black and gold art deco there's modern music to back it because we're edgy and different no rubbish CGI's crap though isn't it mm. i think i gave it maybe about 40 minutes i didn't like toby mcguire in it I didn't, I didn't like any of it i just didn't like it um, so it just, uh, I'm not saying it's uh, terrible, but I'm just saying that I can't believe everyone went so mad for it when I just was like, no, nah, I'm a bit bored now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Holly, it has, go on. I was going to say about Great Gatsby, it has the same problem that adaptations of Lolita have, that it's going from a book to a film where the book is about a character who's supposed to look cool or supposed to look handsome or is supposed to be uh having this better life but they're perhaps not they're perhaps lying to themselves and you as the reader work that out from reading the book but if you have to see it on screen leo looks like like really cool and handsome and successful because you've got to show what he's projecting in the book but now you've got to show it so it becomes real. The same in Lolita, like the character says he's handsome and the character says the girls that he likes are different from other girls. And so they show that in the film, but that's not probably what's happening. He's probably a horrible, ugly mess and the girls are just normal girls because he's horrible. Um, so it's, it, it's yeah, it's one of the it, it's it's a book that doesn't quite translate to film because it's about the visuals and how they are shallow. But in a film, you've got to show the visuals. And yeah. you can't show that they're as shallow. Because I know that's don't. one that's one big problem that like Blood Meridian has because they've been trying to make that a film forever. Um, but it's going to be like part of it is just the absolute horrific violence that they would have to show because like they routinely just scalp entire villages of people because that's what people did in the american west at the time but then the character that you're meant to back if the book is never really clear on how much he is participating in that violence and if you do it as a film you've got to make a decision and one of the strengths of the book is you're going to have a bunch of people who say he doesn't really take part, he's more of a spectator, and then a bunch of people who say, well, no, he would be taking part in it, he's part of the gang, and he's got a propensity to violence and all that. But if that's your main character, you, you can show him doing that, but if you don't, are you being faithful? Like, yeah, there's all kinds of problems that come up with, like, big, you know, particularly weird American stories like Lolita and Blood Meridian. <laughs> Uh, Holly, you're number three. Um, every every time I'm sitting listening to others, Jamie's happily playing with his duplo, and as soon as it goes to my turn, he's hit himself on the head with a piece what of duplo. Hey, I'm, I'm assuming that child protective services are on their way to my house right now <laughs> because anyone listening to the podcast is just hearing a child crying in the background while I talk about films that I don't like. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's safe. He's okay. Um, Jamie, uh, shut up. Mommy has an opinion. <laughs> I have an opinion and I want to say it. Um, so uh, I have one beef with the Lord of the Rings films. And that is because in 2003, I was watching uh, interviews with the cast of Lord of the Rings because I was really excited to watch, I don't know which one came out in 2003, was it The Return of the King? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I was watching interviews with them and they were all being asked, what's the best film of the year? And it, it was one person after the other going, Lost in Translation. Oh, Lost in Translation. <laughs> oh, I just saw Lost in Translation. Oh, Lost in Translation should win the Oscar. And I was like, if these people who I really love the film style of Lost in Translation, I should watch it. I should not have watched it. <laughs> I I understand that people like it, that Bill Murray is blah, 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 Scarlett Johansson's chemistry and blah, 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 blah. It's so, so, so slow. Just so, so slow. And I don't really like the people in it. Sometimes, you know, when you're watching a film and people are in a bit of a rough situation, you just want to give them a slap. I was I was 100% there. It, it's a lack of empathy on my part, I understand. But it was just like the whole time, just like, like, just go do something else. You're not a successful actor anymore. That's fine. Like, go do telemarketing. And like, Scarlett Johansson, you don't love your boyfriend anymore. Go home. <laughs> Off you go. Off you go. Go somewhere I, else. I, I don't. I, I don't need to see them just like wallowing in their own self. If you don't like it, just leave. Fourteen thousand hours. <laughs> Hated it. No. Yeah. I, I was looking then, oh, because I wondered if it was some like weird contractual situation with Warner Brothers. So I wondered if Warner Brothers had like distributed <laughs> Lost in Translation. I don't think they did. So yeah, that's that's a just weird take for them. People loved it. And also, just a teeny tiny issue that quite a few films which are set in Japan because Japan has such a, a, a kind of singular culture and has been so isolated for many 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 years and its singular culture has become now like very trendy or um, very interesting to people because it is quite different to western culture there is sometimes this like undercurrent of laughing at Japanese culture that it's a bit that it, oh look how weird it is oh look yeah. how strange the the politeness is lost in translation is by no means the worst at this I think they are trying to avoid that but there are moments where it's there and it makes me a bit uncomfortable yeah um my number three you two know my opinion of this uh Gemma I don't know how you feel about it um Titanic because it's rubbish. Titanic no. is trash. No. It's rubbish. It's a firm no. Oh, it's so bad. It's My favourite it... thing from this is that, like, Adam... I think I'm pretty sure Adam is the one who's had, like, the hottest takes. Like, the most universally fun <laughs> takes. Like, I've split the room, sure, but it's been 50-50. You're the only one who's had all three people be... I get everyone against. Everyone. (laughs) The the thing is, though, when we did the billion-dollar tier list, and obviously, like, I've I've sort of taken them and I've put them in TikToks and YouTube shorts and all that kind of stuff, there's a bit where after I veto it and I put it in a fail, Michael just goes, 
but millions of people died. <laughs> like, it's a film, Michael. It's also, totally it was fifteen hundred. <laughs> it wasn't millions. <laughs> it might have said hundreds. Maybe, yeah. maybe it said hundreds. That, that would have been a very big shit. Yeah, yes. that was that's, that was yeah. Noah's Ark just breaking into. <laughs> I think he did say hundreds. My bad. But either way, I just I remember watching it as a kid. And to be to be fair, I think it is the only time that I've probably seen it all the way through. Um, and it was it was such a big deal. Like everyone's either seen Titanic or you know someone that's going to the cinema to watch Titanic. And then when it eventually came out on on video, like it's like who's got Titanic? Um, the film's that long that they've had to put it on two VHS tapes. So like you're gonna have to like <laughs> swap and change halfway through. And then, like, my stepdad was off doing something one night, so my mum was like, right, Saturday night, we're going to get a KFC and we're going to borrow Lisa's copy of Titanic on VHS. So then we went round and we picked it up. You know, I'm trying to eat a tub of beans in the dark because all the lights are off because we're watching Titanic. Um, and, you know, it happens and it's like, right, yeah, that thing's happening, yeah, all right, yeah, there's a steamy sex scene, yeah, okay, yeah, all right, okay, right, the boat's breaking in half, okay, yeah. Right, now he's on the door. No, she's on the door. Right, he's he's drowning. He's he's going to die. He's going to freeze to death. All right, okay. Can he not just, like, get on the door with her? Can he not just... Can he not no, do no, that? Right, no. They Does try. It... They both try getting on the door, and the door sinks, so Jack gets off. Right, it's a dead fine. mean. Oh, they could both fit on the door. They would then, both died. The door sank. But then this told me everything that I needed to know, as, like, seven-year-old or eight-year-old Aaron were, like, my both of my sisters are crying. My mum's crying, right? And he's she's looking at him and she's going, Jack, Jack, wake up, Jack. And I thought she was just gonna go, Oh, sod off then. And then just sort of just push him, <laughs> push him away. There you go. But it's just like every now and again, someone will mention it. Oh, I came, you'll go, Oh, it's such a lovely film. It's it's just boring. It's just too long. It's it is long. Dull. I- they didn't need to focus on the love story for that long. And Just it's not like, that interesting. It doesn't but... need to be that. It's not about anything <sighs> other than the love story. <laughs> focus on it that long. That's li- it's not about the shit. Is the last is the last is the last thing you remember just uh, when we get to America? I'm leaving with you, and then you stop the film, Gemma. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you do? <laughs> but no, it. Because at the end of it, she uh, you, you see all of the things on the pictures of everything that she did because she loved him. It is fundamentally about the uh, about the love story. The story of the Titanic had, to, uh, had already been told, and we all knew it anyway. Anyway, we knew how it ended. We knew the story of the Titanic. The film is fundamentally about their love story. Uh, but also, I remember either reading or hearing somewhere that James Cameron says that one of his biggest regrets is about the door and how he wished he'd made the door smaller so that nobody would have spent the last 25 years going, he could have just got on the door. He just said, get on there, though. The door. But they do both try and get on and it starts to sink. That's the thing. I, I don't feel like remember that bit. I don't remember that bit. I just remember that he's... Maybe. but yeah, no, I think I, he's I just sick of hearing people it... whinge about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you can say that it's too much about the love story because it literally just is about the love story. I'm not, all right, I don't mean, I don't, I'm not necessarily saying that focus should have been taken away from it, but it's, it's a very long film and for half of that to just be this kind of love story between them, like, I, I think you could have trimmed some fat in those earlier scenes. 
No, I disagree. I, I just think that is what the, you weren't going there to learn about Titanic. We all knew the story. It was about Jack and Rose. That but, was fundamentally what it was about. But what I did love about it was because, like, most of the time when you see the Titan, when you see Titanic films, you just see like a ship sinking in the background and stuff like that. I've said this um, to Holly. I've said this to Adam. Um, there's this weird little crossover where films actually contribute to scientific discovery. So, as one example. Um, Steven Spielberg gave paleontologists access to computers they could never have access to in a million years. And off the back of that, they were able to start to simulate how dinosaurs would have actually moved. And it was a way more, and it gave them new insights into how dinosaurs moved. And similar with this, because James Cameron was like, give me all of your Monty. Was it Fox who made this one? I think it was Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, give me all of your money. He wanted because, and he's mad into that stuff anyway. He's like submarine down to the Titanic. He really cares about it. He got computers in to be give a much more accurate picture of how the Titanic went down. And I think the spectacle of seeing the ship kind of tilt and then crack like that, and just the boat just slammed down on all these people and the funnel falling off, and oh, it's horrific. And and but. It's a proper old school. That that half of the film is a really good, like old-fashioned disaster movie. Like I'm not saying they're good movies, but like Twister, like Inferno, like Dante's Peak. You don't really get disaster movies like that anymore. And as an example of one of those, I love Titanic. And to kind of tug at heart, not heartstrings, because this is a little bit weird. I'm surprised, Adam, that when how old were you? Seven or eight? Mm -hmm. I was a similar age when I watched it. I am surprised that you didn't have the nice awakening of the first pair of boobs that you'd ever seen in a film. That doesn't mean Just... that it's all of a sudden a good film because I've seen. I don't a pair know. Of boobs. It, it, it's a like... it's a point in the favor because genuinely up to this point, I thought you were. I, I, in my head, you just weren't allowed to show that in film at all. You could suggest nudity. You could suggest sex and i had a night i only had a rough idea at this point what sex was you could you know show two people naked in bed but fully covered there was a certain part of the video shop that you weren't allowed to go in <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like because like, because they even do it you know she starts to derobe and then it cuts away and you only see a bob and then it's a, and then it cut and then it shows the shot and you can see her boobs and I, I turned to my mom like shocked it's like are they allowed to show that and my mom was just like yeah yeah, well, they are. What are you gonna do? It was just—it was just like, boom, oh my god! Like you can show boobs in films. Oh my god, what? Oh, <laughs> did I ask you what your number three was? Um, I've not done my number three. No, yet. I, I just totally not balls the order up. Then don't matter. Go on, push your number three. Oh no! Fire in the hole. I'm really hoping General back me on this, but maybe not. Jungle Book. Jungle he Book. means the original cartoon. I mean the original the Jungle Book. I mean the I mean the original. The original. Get in the bin. <laughs> yes, Jenna. Yes. You. you wanted me to back you on that. Absolutely. <laughs> Get in the bin. What's it is the worst era of Disney on balance. Just recycled. It's just animation. what they were at that time. They hadn't got to the point where you know they. It was very early for Disney, wasn't uh, it? Sorry, no. Early was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and that won Oscars not just you because... You can't call Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs early. It was the first one. The first yeah, one. You, you, come I, on. But, but like, that's the point. This isn't early Disney. This is the middle of Disney. 
and the scraping together. I mean, Disney's a hundred now. That's you know, middle of Disney now is Black Cauldron, so you can go that way. <laughs> probably right. Like, but like, all right, this was the middle of like hand-drawn animated Disney. How's that for you? Okay. Yeah. And you've got what have you got in quick succession? You've got this, the Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, the Aristocats, just garbage tier Disney films. They look ugly. Like, I am not a fan of the Disney remakes, really, on any level. This is the only one where I fundamentally just prefer the remake. I think the remake is a much better film. The story is more gripping. The characters are more interesting. Just, I just, like, there's very little I like about The Jungle Book. I re- and I, re- I went into it recently as well because I'm aware this is something that I've held on to for a long time and I know I'm bad for being like, no, that's what I thought about it back then. Um, we did, we've done the Disney Marathon. We're currently just done Tarzan. So I've watched this and I was just so bored watching Jungle Book. And I don't buy into this, oh, but Ruby do when she was ill. You didn't give me a single counterpoint, Adam. As I to don't need to give you a single counterpoint. That's just one thing. That's the like, only argument you gave me. That's the only thing you said. It's in a timeless to. film, and it, you're going back so, to it and it's thinking. It's incredibly dated. Let's, oh. get, let's get music that was just popular at the time. You know, we're not doing these kind of timeless Yeah, and Disney haven't stopped songs. doing that. Hmm? Disney haven't stopped doing that. Let's they give did. Them- just, at the time. Like, oh, the kids I'm, like- so, I'm so confused by this take about the music. I love the films, the songs from Jungle Book. No one I now is getting like, how are they? How are they dated that we can't enjoy because, them now? I'm not saying dated that you can't enjoy them. It's just, it's very more, it's the equivalent of like um, illumination films these days, like the Grinch film getting a song by Pharrell because it's what's popular at the time. It just, it's that immediately. The equivalent it, it, of that. It is. It is. No it's chance. Me- it is. It's, it's the character was- still singing. It doesn't matter. A it's song sing- that makes sense in context of the. Well, well, King Louis and Orangutan in the Indian jungle know who Louis Armstrong was and why would he emulate him? Other than it's what's popular. With TV singing. It's so- just a kid's film. It doesn't need to be overanalyzed like that. Is it good fun when King Louis sings that song? Yes. <laughs> so therefore it's good. No, it's not. For- and Bernice, I hate in the bin. I hate the oh, no, Turn him off, Adam. Turn him off. <laughs> oh, the bare necessities. Don't get me started. The only song <gasps> I genuinely love is The Elephants. The Elephants are great. I will give you that. The elephants are funny, but what about no. the uh, vultures? Yeah, the let, yeah. Oh, you want to talk about popular music at the time? Let's try and get the Beatles, but they are too expensive, so we'll just parody the Beatles with the vultures. That's so for much fun. Some reason. That is so much fun that just they are. Only saving grace about the Jungle Book as a film is that it's short, and I don't have to look at it for too long. That's the <laughs> only thing I like about it. Every single thing is just, oh, Mowgli's fallen out with Bagheera, so he's going to go and get be with this animal for a bit. Oh, he's fallen out with Bagheera again, so he's going to go and be with this animal. It's just... It's, it's like awful. a... He's like a three-nager. Like, that's what 
children do. I'm not saying um, yeah, like, but that doesn't that doesn't a compelling story make just because it might be accurate. I don't care. I much prefer the Mowgli we get in the in the live action remake. He acts totally like a child, but I get why he does what he does. He doesn't come across as a brat. We're meant to like him. I'm very up for car just eating him because I hate him. Give over, man. Nah. Right. Twos. Um, Holly, you have an ally in me for your number two. I completely agree. It's not on my list, but I completely agree. I've got to find it. Oh. <laughs> I've been playing with puppets for Jamie. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm so happy I have an ally. Okay. So uh, it's from 2022. Loads of my films on the list have been really new ones. Um, the Northman. I've seen it. Absolute dream. I hated The Northman. I hated it. Uh, it's about Prince Amleth, which is uh, an anagram of Hamlet. So it follows the story beats of Hamlet, like his father is killed by his uncle and his mother is stolen away by his uncle. And then he goes out into the wilderness and becomes a marauding Viking, but then he comes back to challenge his uncle. It's Hamlet. So what did I have in my head when I watched the entire thing? Lion King. The Lion, Lion King. King. That was literally it. Yeah. Lion King is so much better. Um, but it's, it, I don't know, it's just a nasty film. It's dark. It's grubby looking. It's not pretty to look at. The characters are all horrible. All of them. Prince Amleth is a horrible person. I don't want him to succeed. I don't feel sorry for him, for what's happened. Because as soon as his uh, dad is killed and his mum's taken away, he's off killing other people's dads and stealing their women immediately. There's no moral high ground that the hero has in any way, shape or form. So that would be fine, as long as he didn't then blame his uncle for doing the exact thing he then spends 20 years of his life doing. Hate it. Also, and I'm going to be a bit of an SJW now, I hate it, I hate it when there are huge age gaps between the man and the woman in films. I had just That's watched, uncomfortable. I just watched Big Little Lies. Nicole Kidman and Alexander Skarsgård are a married couple in Big Little Lies, okay? They're a married couple. In this film, Nicole Kidman is his mum. <laughs> and there's even a point where she goes to kiss him. Like, kiss him, kiss him. Like, his Nicole Kidman is nine years older than Alexander Skarsgård. So as a married couple, that's a little bit of an unusual age gap, but not a crazy age gap. So mm. in Big Little Lies, it totally works. Nine years is a very small age gap for us to believe that that's his mum, because she looks great in it as well. They haven't aged her up or anything. She looks fab. Hmm. And then his love interest is Anya Taylor-Joy, who's 20 years younger than him. So his mum's nine years older and his love interest is 20 years younger. And she looks young. I love Anya Taylor-Joy. She looks like a child in it. And, you know, she's a great actress. She was absolutely fine in it. But there was just a... It left a really nasty taste in the mouth. It was very... I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding uh like a misandrist but it was just very very overtly masculine it's like what do men like like real men <laughs> you like or we like marauding raw getting revenge and getting our woman raw 
that's the feeling I got from it. And that's I know you're, Holly, I know you're taking a bit, but I genuinely feel hyped right now. So no. <laughs> it works. The it's whole bit <laughs> where they go and see Willem Dafoe and like yeah. they're all farting and burping. And like apparently that's okay because you've got to walk around like a dog and fart and burp. Um, and then the the whole like bit, the thing about the Lion King, right? And as much as I was sort of going uh, straight away, I was like, oh, it's just a bit like the Lion King. And then my head did that thing where he went, well, that then it's like Hamlet. And I was like, right, okay. But it gets so much like the Lion King that the final confrontation between Amleth and his uncle, right? Not only are they stark bollock naked for whatever reason they tend to be, they're also doing it in a volcano. So all that stuff in the Lion King where there's ash flying around, that's essentially what they're doing. But did Amleth have to substitute gay dads looking after him when he was in the wilderness? No, and that was what he was missing. That's that's really what it was missing. Timon and yeah. Pumbaa. If we had the... Viking Timon and Pumbaa, that uh, would have been fine. Did the Pumbaa. whole thing. Been, yeah. yeah, next level. And yeah. a Viking Zazu or something. Yeah. And that bit where Bjork turns up. Oh, because she's Scandi Weeping. No, she's yeah. Icelandic, isn't she? Yeah. You know. Well, she's but, a famous yeah. Viking. That's all they're doing. <laughs> Just it was, yeah, it was very strange. And it has actually been, and this is not what the director wanted. So it, it was not his intention. I'm sure there, you know, if you know anything about Icelandic culture and obviously Viking culture, they were marauding murderers. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think it's probably a, a comment on that um, masculinity and how it is actually bad. But a lot of white nationalists have co-opted this film. I do remember hearing a lot. I remember hearing a lot of good things about this film, and then I didn't like very suddenly. It really felt like on a yeah. dime the opinion it wasn't, of this film changed. Yeah, it wasn't made for those people. It's not the filmmaker's fault, but they have glommed onto this yeah. film. Um, so that tells you something about how you yeah. would feel watching it. God, you must feel awful if you put that out and it's not your intention, and that's how it's been taken. You'd feel awful, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Ollie, you're number two. Okay. Um, potential. Not oh. with you. Not with you. Mainly with Holly. Oh. Um, Spirited Away. Spirited Away. I really wanted to like it the number of times it has been called the best animated film ever. Unequivocally, it's the best animated film ever. And I watched it. I really I wanted to like it because I love Miyazaki's art style. I think it's really unique and I love other Miyazaki films. We talked about it before. Um I really wanted to like Spirited Away. And I just I was so I was bored. I was confused. The story meandered from being so did you know that the word subtle has a silent B in it to just so vague I couldn't follow exactly what it was trying to say? I know Holly's arguments against this. I know that, you know, that kind of, I can't remember the word for it, but that kind of childlike wonder uh, and that that sense of, oh, it's what's happening, you know, the, the magic of being on a train and they're on the train together with no face and, oh, isn't it magical? No, it's dull. Visually stunning. I'm not going to take that away from it because you can't, you, you'd be stupid to say that about any Miyazaki film. It looks incredible. But the story, the story, I, I've said it before, and Holly has a counter argument, but I cannot get past the fact that the story for this film just feels like it was written by a child. And 
that might be something to do with Japanese storytelling because at the same time, I don't mind stories like that because I much prefer Ponyo. I think Ponyo, like, Ponyo is, like, really silly, but I don't think it pretends to not be. I think, you know, it's very, very, it's so childlike that you can just kind of buy into it. My Neighbor Totoro, to a point, does the same, but I don't, I just didn't like that as much. Whereas Ponyo is just, it's so silly, like, fine, I can forgive it for what it is. This almost feels like it's trying to toe the line between this sense of childlike wonder and this big, epic story about pollution and greed and all sorts. And it's just, it's a mess. And I, I, I really, really do not like this. I really don't like it. Um, yeah, like, and I think as well, like, compared to some of the others, like, I don't like Howl's Moving Castle. I know Holly really likes that one, so shock. But um, I don't think Howl's Moving Castle gets, like, mad plaudits. I think that was one of the ones that wasn't as well received. Um, and I get kind of what it was trying to do and i get that it's based on a book and there's only so much that they can do um yeah spirited away is just a mess and i felt i felt tired having watched it i felt I, I felt drained trying to keep up with all of these like pinballing plot points i feel like it is the worst film to watch as someone with adhd like, it's almost a simulation, if you like. If you don't have ADHD, I would probably recommend watching Spirited Away. And it's like, and then this happened. Oh, look at this. Oh, there's dust mine. Oh, look at this guy. He looks a bit like a spider. Oh, what? There's a witch. They're in a bathhouse. She's trying to... Oh, she's not hidden anymore. She's got to work. Oh, but then no face comes in and he's offering them... Oh, they love the... Oh, God, he's getting bigger and greed and metaphor. What? Ah! I'm just so overstimulated by this film. It was hell. Just... Ah! <laughs> wow hellish absolutely hellish Phil I just Holly, uh, would oh. you care to say anything or are you just your opinion in it <laughs> <laughs> I I just, yeah I, I, I really loved it I, was there, I, I do appreciate it so that, like, the argument of there are those Miyazaki films which are aimed towards children and that sense of childlike wonder and but I'm much spirited more spirited away is less so yeah but also like I think I like the extreme ends of Miyazaki's spectrum either, either go full child like Ponyo which yeah Ponyo is a nice bit of innocent fun and the visuals in it are stunning and that's why you watch it or go full epic story Nausicaa, Castle in the Sky Princess Mononoke don't try and don't try and tell a line because it just it doesn't work for me. For me, it really doesn't work at all. But but at the same time, I really didn't like Kiki's delivery service. So <laughs> maybe I don't like the childlike stuff. It's just, maybe Ponyo is just so silly. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> um. Okay. My number one. Uh, sorry, not my number one. My number two. Skipping over. My number Oof, two. Spoilers. Um, yeah. My number two. Um, why is this the highest grossing film of all time? Because it's rubbish. Avatar. Like, absolute <laughs> yeah, drosh. Like, I'd make a counter-argument just in this context. Is it well-received? Yeah. It's made a lot of money. Is it well-received? It's well-received to the point that it was nominated for however many Oscars it was nominated for. And the Golden Gods, as rubbish as they are, gave it mm. best motion picture drama. Like, really? Yeah. Are you mad? 
Yeah, are you that's like... I don't because I don't mind this like clearing up awards when it comes to like visual effects. It looks stunning. All the production stuff, fine, right? Yeah. You give it visual effects, you give it sound mixing, you give it sound yeah. editing, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely fine. Everything else, not a chance. Yeah, not, not a, chance. a chance. It's like, Pocahontas, but it's worse. Pocahontas, it's Dances with Wolves. It's like the, the it's laziest, Fern Gully. <laughs> it's Fern Gully. The laziest thing to me, and I have said this to you a lot before, like the fact that they basically needed an element for them to struggle to get, and they called it unobtainium. Like, what's that about? Unobtainium. Unobtainium. Not even like, trying. We can't find it, Itanium. Like, what, what's yeah. going on here? Do you know what that strikes me as? That strikes me as a placeholder name that they just forgot to change when they yeah. were filming it. And they were like, oh, we're running, over, we're, we're running over budget here, guys. Let's just call it Unobtainium. Just... <laughs> But I, I remember the thing is, there were so many times where I tried, I really tried because I thought I need to see what everyone else is sort of seeing mm. here. And I think I've seen it all the way through about once, but I have seen like parts of it a good few times. It's so long and not yeah. not enough happens to warrant that runtime. And then it, the ne the next one or the, the Way of Water, that's even longer. And apparently there's a lot of that that doesn't warrant the runtime. So mm. I mean I'm not even, I'm not even bothering with it like I just cannot be bothered with it. You know what just... I compare it to as well as an interesting case study as to why you don't like it, and I'm not yeah. saying you're wrong for not liking it. It's very like Blade Runner. Mm. It is very look at how nice our shops are. Yeah, and people like you like me less so with Blade Runner, but definitely with Avatar. I'm like, okay, do you have anything else to show me other than just pretty shots? No, no. then I don't care. No, because like I think that's a valid reason why people look at Blade Runner and think, nah, not for me. Because at the time, you never saw those sweeping shots of cityscapes in the future, and now you just see them dime a dozen. You get like one tracking shot over the top of Wakanda. You get one tracking shot over the top of Mega City One in Judge Dredd and stuff like that. And it's just, yeah, we've seen this now. Yeah. Like to go well, back to this I'm, film, I'm not arguing that the CGI isn't good because it is. Mm. You know, and but that's all the... it's got to offer. Yeah, as the well. trailer stuff from Way of Water again. You know, yeah. it looks good, but nah, not interesting. But at the, and at the same time, does it look that much better than what like Pixar are putting out? No, no. probably not. No, no, not at all. So why are you spending that much money on it? Exactly. <laughs> Just be more efficient. <laughs> exactly. Gemma, your number two. Uh, my number two is uh, King's Speech. Um, <laughs> I fell asleep. I fell asleep. <laughs> right. Honestly, the tagline of it, I think, is something called Find Your Voice. It should have been, come and watch Colin Firth be Colin Firth for two hours. That's it. I'm just looking now. This is what it won. Because I remember it absolutely cleaned up that year. And it won Best Film, Outstanding British Film, Best Actor for Firth. How? He was just being Colin Firth. Best Actor. He didn't act a single moment in it. He was just Colin Firth. No. Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Original Screenplay. I fell asleep in that film. It was dull. So it is absolutely 100% for me the one of those films that everybody just raves about. It cleans up at the Oscars and I looked at it and went, that was terrible. I was bored all the way through it. I really, really, really didn't like it. I fell asleep. I had to be poked because I was snoring in the cinema and I was just like that's how terrible it is I mean I have problems with my sleep I have to go to the doctors to get really heavy medication 
for my sleep. That's she why just I put like King's it. speech on. <laughs> I just put King's speech on if it wasn't going to wake the rest of the house up. But the King's speech can make me sleep in a cinema. I can't sleep in bed, but that made me sleep <laughs> in a cinema. Oh, that is oh. how poor that film is. Colin Firth just being Colin Firth. I just, that's Hate the one it. that I disagree with. I really think he did a great job in that. Like no. the, the way he gets across that stutter, the way he like changed his speech pattern, like because that would have been really easy to just like like the like like the way that the other character, like the way that Edward as Guy Pierce as Edward just like rinses him. It'd be so easy for him to do that, but I, that I might be think- so. That's such a soft spot for it, and I can't tell you why. <laughs> it was still a boring film. Whether he did a stutter well or not, it was still really boring. End right. of. Number ones, Ollie, kick us off. Okay, this is not a grenade by any stretch. This isn't a grenade because it's already been talked about, and I'm so glad that people have talked about it. I just, I really hated it, Moonlight. Okay. I really, really hated it. It was so boring. It was so boring. Like the the character that we are sympathizing with is gay. The end. Okay. Does he have any other aspects to his personality, or are we just leaning on he's gay? So we're gonna make that kind of everything we care about about him. I don't know. Like it was just nothing happened. The only bit I thought, yeah, this could go somewhere, this could be interesting, was the relationship he had with Mahershala Ali. Because Mahershala Ali is one of those actors, he could have probably made it in my, you know, um, honourable mentions for actors where I love. I love him in everything I've seen him in. I cannot wait to eventually see him as Blade, although that might be on the rocks from what I've heard, and that, that would be heartbreaking. Because he needs to be played. He, I'd love to see. And like, yeah, he's great in it. And then it cuts to act two because it's really pretentious and needs to have acts in its storyline. And, oh yeah, he dies off screen. Bye. Yeah, you know that character that we really, you know, wanted you to grow an affinity to and probably one of the main reasons you saw it. And there's a weird scene where he's just Hulk cradling a child in some water. Why? Hmm. Why, yeah. like, why, why do I, why are we seeing that? That's a bit weird. Um, and then, you know, this this guy that you kind of know, you're going to kiss him and he's going to touch you up on a beach. And then that's apparently, yeah, we really care that that's the only sexual encounter you've had in your life. Why? Nothing happens. No. It yeah. was, like, and this, the reason I put this one top is because I genuinely, like, all the others I can kind of poke fun at a little bit. Like, even with Jungle Book and, like, Spirit or I could be like, nah, I don't really don't like these films. I don't get the hype. This is one that made me angry, having watched it. I felt like my, and I wish I had the stomach of Jenna Hale to just walk away from a film. But, like, I, I don't have that dog in me. I really don't. So I sat and watched this and just felt like so much time had been absolutely wasted. And this is now at the point, and I feel vindicated by you again, Gemma, because because of this film, and it might be a weird jump to make, but because of this film, I refuse to watch Man- Manchester by the Sea. 
because everything I have heard about Manchester by the Sea, it gives me exactly the same vibe as this. It's just people quietly being annoyed and sad. And, oh, but the story it's telling is such a human one. I don't give a toss. Do something. Engage me. Have something else about the character here over than, oh, he's gay. Oh, I'm sorry. No, he's gay and he's growing up in a disadvantaged area. Okay. Am I, am I not a good ally if I say that unequivocally I don't care about that story? Like... Just give me something about him that makes him it's come just, across. It's what we've said a few times, isn't it? Where, you know, something can be a really powerful story, but you go to watch a film because you want to be entertained. So yeah. you need something to happen. And in Moonlight, nothing happens. And in, um, you know, Manchester by the Sea, nothing really happens. It's like you said in Gosford Park, nothing happens. Um, you know, you just, you just kind of just get bored with it and just go, okay, great brilliant premise but make something happen this doesn't yeah. even have a premise though like what's the premise of this he's gay in a disadvantaged area that's a premise yeah. you can do something with it but, but they, that's it they don't try and do anything with it they don't see like he interacts with like one guy and like and even then just this like it could if it was a short film about that I could get behind it and it, it winning an Oscar for like best short film or whatever. And like like you've hinted at this before with like Brokeback Mountain, it doesn't all feel that this was a politicized film. That because it tackled subjects to do with LGBTQ, that's why it won the Oscar. It's like when in reality, was it that good a film? Really? No. No. And this is exactly you've hinted at it again, Gemma, like. This is one of those films where people will probably throw it back at you. Oh, you just don't get it. What is there to get? What is there to understand about this? Like, am I? There's nothing deep about this film at all. Right, just ugh. time. Time. <laughs> Getting angry texts from downstairs. Time. <laughs> um, right, my number one. Uh, I mentioned before that when I put that I didn't like this film, um, it was on Facebook actually at the time. Uh, my lecturer, one of my university lecturers, commented on it and said, but it's a metaphor for the Big Bang. Gravity. Oh, I thought you were going to go Space Odyssey. No, Gravity. That'd be top Ow. of George's list, by the way, and I think it's a fair shout. I love Howl, but uh, Gravity, uh, gra yeah. Gravity is just rubbish. It's just <laughs> an hour and a half of Sandra Agreed. Bullock floating around in space. Like, and George Clooney pops up every now and again. Mm. What's the point? What's the point? Yeah. And the fact that it was nominated for so much and like everyone was like, oh my God, it's amazing. No, rubbish. I have nothing else to say on the matter. <laughs> no, it's rubbish. Gemma, what's your number one? Um, so this one, I don't even know if you lot have seen it actually. Don't bother. Um, this is actually the benchmark that I use and an analogy that I use to compare any crap film um, that everybody says is great. It's Tree of Life. Oh, I, oh I, it's a tree. It is just this self-indulgent metaphor for all sorts of stuff that flicks around between this sort of self-reflection of of why uh, his younger brother has died and connecting his younger brother dying to the very origins of the universe, almost exploring whether or not um, 
whether or not it was always destined to be looking at ideas between good and evil and all these kind of things. So many times when I saw the reviews of it that people, when people panned it and people came back and went, yeah, I think it's because you just don't really understand, you know, the kind of nature of it. I have a degree in philosophy and religious studies. If there's one thing I understand, it's exploring natures of good and evil, the origins of life, the meaning of life. Oh, believe me, I can 100% understand the concepts in that. I literally did a degree in those <laughs> concepts, but it still doesn't mean that that film was any good. There's this whole sequence of the Big Bang when he's trying to think about like his brother and his brother's life, and it goes to the start of the of the of the entire cosmos, and there's this whole kind of animated sequence, and you're sitting there, and it goes on for about twenty minutes, right, of just like explosions on the on on the on the screen, and you're kind of sitting there going, "What's going to happen now? Like, what, what what's going to happen with this? What are we doing? Why why are they doing this? Where's this going?" And then it just stops, and then you'll be in a lift. And he'll come out of the lift and he'll look. And then it'll be him going up a mountain. Oh, awful. Just horrendous. And it was one of those films that everyone went, oh, yeah, it's just so amazing because it's so deep and powerful. But then when you look at it and go, but when you sit through it, you know what? I thought it was a really long film. I looked, it's actually only a two-hour film. That was a nine-hour film when I watched that film. That was a nine-hour film. I don't know why they said it's two hours. That was, no. That sequence with the Big Bang was two hours. Awful. Really bad. It was, I, I, I put that down as the worst film I have ever seen. And I sat through it because I... I I went to cinema to see it. I, I went to cinema with somebody and we paid for our tickets. It was pre-City World Unlimited card days where I could just go, right, sorry, I'm just not going to watch it or streaming services. We'd paid. We, we were in for a tenner each. And, uh, and and I think part of me just wanted to, to wait until it got good. I was invested and I went, well, let's just see then because it must be good. And then at the end of it, I went, oh no, it never got good. In fact, it turned out to be the worst film I've ever seen in my life, ever. The Tree of Life. It's got some brilliant actors in it. It's got Sean Penn. It's got Brad Pitt. Should have been great. Crap. I've not seen it, but there was a guy no at bother. uni, same year as me, who watched it, because he, he really loved Terrence Malick, right? Um, and I said, but I've seen the trailer, and like, and then they're like dinosaurs in it. And he went, yeah, because it's about life. <laughs> And I was taking sod off with that. But they, they'll just be doing something, and then the metaphor comes like a dinosaur is going to kill another dinosaur, and then he doesn't. So it's a kind of like debate about, you know, do we make choices and are, are, are we moral? Are we inherently moral creatures? Or did the dinosaur choose not? And you're just like, uh, what? 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 No, what? Why? Nah, See, nah. I get it. Again, I, I'm an RE teacher, I did a degree in this, but it doesn't mean it's good. Doesn't mean it was good when it was on screen. Scrap. No. Right. Holly's convinced she's got a bomb for a number one. Ooh. Well, that was before I found out that Terminator 2 Judgment Day is your third favourite film ever. So that was clearly the biggest one. It's not, I don't think it's as bad as that. Um, West Side Story. Okay, fine. Yeah. The original oh, one. Yeah, now fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, That's okay. I, will, I have a real soft spot for the musical, but literally because 
I performed in it at school and rediscovered my love of performing and then went to uni and like the rest is literally. Oh, history. so that's to blame. Oh, yeah. 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 So feel free to hate on it more. Well, but... <laughs> like, I, I really love musicals and you see like lists of the greatest mu- film musicals ever made. And West Side Story is always up there. Very often yeah. number one. If not, then it's always in the top three, top five. Um, and I watched it and I just I just hated it. I did not like the songs. I feel pretty can throw itself in the deepest part of the ocean. <laughs> it's a terrible song. It made me want to claw my own ears. Not out. very sondime, is it? Yeah. No, and then well, it's it's Romeo and Juliet. Mm. But making Romeo and Juliet racial kills Romeo and Juliet. The point of the, it's in the very first, it's in the prologue of the play that their two households both are like in dignity. They have to be equals at the top of society. And what they're doing, the reasons why they hate each other has been lost to time. And their, their feud is hurting the city that they're in because they're at the top and they have no regard for everyone below them. The only person who could try and stop them is the prince. They're right they're, they're so equal in this that mm. as a as an audience member, you don't pick a side. Like the side is just the side of the young people who are invested in the in the feud. I watch West Side Story and I'm 100% shark. Like the sharks are oppressed, the jets are horrible racist bullies. It you've killed Romeo and Juliet. Congratulations. <laughs> like it, it's not two households both alike in dignity anymore. It it's just a story about gangs, which is fine. A story about gangs can be great, but it the the important parts of that story which are gut wrenching lose their power because you take a side. Mm. For me, like that that scene as well where. Anita goes to try and talk to the Jets and they very nearly assault her in the worst possible sense. And it's like, yeah, okay. We're meant to, we're meant to find this as a tragic love story because we've not seen the Sharks do anything approaching that kind of heinous act. <laughs> like, at all. <laughs> yeah, never thought about that. <laughs> yeah, it was just... I, and and the music doesn't save it for me. I just find the idea of the jets dancing around the city ridiculous. Um, <laughs> yes, the dance, like the choreography, is great, but mm. I, I I just find it I just find it ridiculous, and they lose the power of the original story. So it shouldn't have been it shouldn't have been based on that original they, story. It should have been mm. a gang story. It prob- they probably thought they were being really clever, you know, modernising Romeo and Juliet in that way, but missing that point of... Because ultimately, I guess what they're doing is still hurting the city, but it is an important point that they are... Because the Jets are also towards the bottom. They are themselves immigrants. They are. Yes, so, but, yeah. But yeah. that's that's people, they're fighting for survival. Yeah. In so Romeo and Juliet, the Capulets and Montagues are fighting because they're they're, they're bored proud. aristocrats. Yeah. yeah. With nothing else to do. Yeah. And I mean, at least they didn't do the Romeo and Juliet thing of, you know, Juliet being underage. That that was nice. 
We can say that as a positive. A positive website, you can. Sorry. We found a positive. Yeah, yeah. Well and like on, on like Romeo and Juliet, where it's just Romeo's hot for her, you do genuinely kind of believe that they like each other. That <laughs> I I I really like Romeo and Juliet though. I like it more than like it, it's become it's become a like a thing about Juliet's underage and this that and the other. Juliet mm. is a fantastic character. Um, mm. When you when you really read the play and not just see adaptations of it where it's just a tragic love story and she's a, a, a you know wet blanket she's mm. not a wet blanket in the play at all nah, Romeo is 100% the wet blanket Julia yeah. is 100% in charge and clever and resourceful and sensible um she's a great character and well the tragedy when... comes because Romeo just overreacts and is like oh she's dead ah, when she's well not. he's the tragic hero he's the one with the he's the one with the fatal flaw mm. um and it's because he's he's too passionate he's he's uh not practical at all he just goes with his emotions and that's his fatal flaw and Juliet doesn't have that but in West Side Story again she's she's reduced a bit she yeah Anita takes a lot of that agency, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. And she's a fab character. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Hate it. No, thank you. Haven't seen the the remake. Don't wanna. No. Okie doke. Right, that's it. Ten critical downlines done. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you very much for listening. Stay safe, look after each other, and we will see you next time.